You know that feeling when you fall in love with a new band? It starts with a single, maybe something you heard in passing. And then next thing you know, you've bought the whole discography and can't bear to listen to any other music. This was the case for film director Mike Nichols, who in 1967 had discovered the folk rock duo Simon and Garfunkel. Now, for the average person, an obsession with a band starts and ends with consuming their music relentlessly, but Nichols wanted more. He wanted Simon and Garfunkel's music in his latest film. A deal was struck, and the reluctant songwriter Paul Simon, who saw writing for movies as selling out, eventually agreed to write three songs for the film for the low, low price of $25,000. You might think that Nichols would take just about anything Simon gave him, given that the director was a superfan, but the first two submissions, Punky's Dilemma and Over's, certified classics, were rejected. These two songs would later release on the duo's fourth studio album, 1968's Bookends, along with the song Nichols Approved. Unsurprisingly, Simon was unwilling to give up the song that would become a hit for the film and the band. Nichols recalled the following quote from Simon when he asked about the song. Quote, It's not for the movie. It's a song about times past, about Mrs. Eleanor Roosevelt and Joe DiMaggio and stuff. End quote. To hear bandmate Art Garfunkel tell it, though, the song wasn't going anywhere, as he called it, quote, a trifle song we were about to throw out. During the songwriting process, Simon had interchangeably used the name Mrs. Roosevelt, as well as the name of one of the main characters in Nichols' movie. With some pushing from our music-obsessed director, the decision was made to lose Mrs. Roosevelt and replace her with the adulterous woman from the film, The Graduate. The movie features an incomplete version of the song. The duo performed the piece while watching the scenes in the film where it would play, but this is not the version that would go on to win them the 1969 Grammy for Record of the Year. The final version of the track came out in February of 1968, three months after the film's release. The timing might seem off, but the later release of the single actually served to further promote the film and cemented both the movie and the single into the popular consciousness. That's right, we're talking Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson this week on Cover Me's Blockbuster Summer. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is deep dee 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 I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my Jolton co-host. Alex Mildenberger. Alex, how you doing? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. The smoke cleared out, clouds blew away. Mm. Um, things are looking nice. We're we're doing some some preliminary vacation prep. Uh, you, for, you love it. You love for, the prep you know, for when vacations. we're going away in a couple weeks. It's exciting, exciting times. Exciting times to be alive. And Alex, it's, there's been no smoke here, which is unusual for a Vancouver summer. I'll tell you that. It's very nice. It's very nice. I don't mind it, but it is hot as fuck out here all the time. Yeah, yeah. There is that. It's, Part. They're bringing the heat, brother, and I am. I was like for it, and now I'm just like, I don't know. It's too much heat. Show what they say. It only gets hotter. Alex, speaking of hot, we're talking about the hottest band this side of 1967. We are Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel themselves. Yeah, they're a pretty big deal. I mean, we we've talked about them a while back. I think that was the last time we discussed them directly uh, when we well, talked yeah, was about that Hazy, Hazy Shade, Shade of Winter. Winter? Yeah, I think so. Although we like to bring them up sometimes, talk about, you know, being a Kellogg's cornflake or whatever. Yeah, Punky's Dilemma. Yeah. 
which was rejected was. for this movie yeah, which is insane this movie the graduate i also have you seen the graduate i haven't seen the graduate but i have the graduate soundtrack on vinyl mm. um courtesy of my aunt and uncle wow shout um, out aunt and uncle yeah because they basically got rid of a whole bunch of records and i took them all um including yeah this one so i, I and this song of course i knew this song um and i was generally familiar with the graduate because it's been referenced a lot Yes. In other in other media. And I mean, when I was younger, uh, like elementary school age, I was really into Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2. And Wayne's World 2 has like an extended graduate reference section that I didn't okay. get at the time. What do they do in it? They do the like you're trying to seduce me bit with the shot under oh, the leg. Oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, 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 yeah. The wedding interruption. And, I mean, one of the versions we're going to talk about today is in the movie, too, so. Yes. In the movie The Graduate? In the movie <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Oh, okay. Is it what is, okay, sure, yeah. Um, hell yeah. The Graduate. I just watched it this week, Alex. Okay, what'd you think? I thought it was pretty good, and then I, like... I checked it on Wikipedia and I was like, this satire. And I was like, oh, it's a satire film. <laughs> I didn't fucking oh, okay. know. It's one of those things where it's like, it's too old. Like I, there was a, like comedy and things in it, but I was like, mm, this is a pretty artsy film. And they're like, it's satire on the youth. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's tough to pick up on this. That stuff is so like of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Or often, you know, and you're like, well, that's just Dustin Hoffman being, I don't know. A, a shockingly old-looking 22-year-old. Yeah, that's a, he's supposed to be 22 in that. He looks ancient. And yeah, it's like, like I get it, because he does like a ton of crazy shit, and it's like a bit goofy, but I was just like, I don't know what it's... Are we making fun of Mrs. Robinson? Are we making fun of the youth? Are we making fun of hotels? Like hotels. It's, it's unclear yeah, like, to me, What man. does it have to say that is was relevant what is it, 50-some years ago? Yeah. What does and it have to say is a question we're going to be asking pretty soon here with the lyrics of this song. Um, Alex, yeah. you a big fan of this song? I really like this song, yeah. It's a good song. Absolutely. I, it's, I, I mean, I've known it for such a long time. Um, I remember hearing it, like, my sister used to make mixed CDs, like, burn CDs all the time. Yeah. And this was one of the one of those songs on those so we'd listen to it in the car and stuff it's nice. like this and like sweet caroline like i don't know <laughs> that sort of there were more songs too yeah heaven wait, like uh brian adams heaven. brian adams jesus why why was your sister making mixed cds for 40 year old men <laughs> You know, we were we were like nine to twelve years old at the time, so this was all new stuff. Right, you know? it's brand it was just new. Very to exciting to, like, to is, find this music. This is some hot tracks here, man. Yeah. Well, hot damn, Alex. Yeah, I like this one too. Um, it gets confusing as soon as we hit the lyrics here because there's like overlapping stories and weird interpretations of things and. What we and need a lot to understand of it was kind of that, written on the fly, right? Like, well, yes. Yeah, so there's the bits that actually appear in the film, which right. is two verses, and it's really just like the chorus and like a slightly different chorus. Like the True. the film version doesn't have most of this shit in it. Yeah, there's actually kind of two versions in the film too. 
Yeah. Or at least there's two versions of. on the soundtrack album. One's the one that is just like just deet de dee 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 deets. And then the other one is that plus here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. You're a dirty hoe, don't you know? Whoa, 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 whatever. whatever they say in there. But it's people go nuts for this because they're like, well, the songs are originally about Mrs. Roosevelt and which I think is, is an overblown story, personally. Yeah. Um, I, based on I what agree. I have, I mean, looking at like the old interview where he, ta- where he talks about that, which is with uh, what's the? It's like on the Dick Cavett show. Dick Cavett show, yeah. Um, which I didn't watch all of the interview, but I watched some of it, and like. It's, he was just using Roosevelt as another placeholder, but it sounds like it's not like he wasn't saying Robinson as well. Yeah, he was kind of right? like bouncing him back and forth, probably because he was like, well, I do need to get one more song in. Yeah, and like the, he was working graduate. on set, obviously, right? Because they were like playing while they were filming kind of thing. Yeah. Which is wild, <laughs> but also fun sounding. Um, well, yeah, it seems like that's how they got, that's when they kind of like ironed it out. So he was like on tour and then like oh, probably yeah. on a phone call or something with Mike Nichols. And he's like, hang on. Because the, there's like, even that has multiple stories where he's yeah. like, you guys have a song called Mrs. Robinson and you're not giving it to me. He's like, well, it's sometimes it's Mrs. Roosevelt. And he's like, fuck you. It's Mrs. Robinson, <laughs> Mrs. Robinson now. Like, now. Yeah. do it. And like, he's also said, like, I just needed three syllables, right? Like, it's Mrs. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, yeah. what's the Paul McCartney one? Yesterday, Scrambled Eggs? Scrambled Eggs, yeah. Scrambled Eggs. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's just, he just needed something to fit the meter for that moment. Yeah, so it, it doesn't seem like, to me, the Roosevelt connection means a whole lot. It's yeah. somewhat related to maybe some of the other things, just in terms of, like, current events and, like, what he was thinking about at the time, you know? Because a lot of this is what Paul Simon would just like had knocking around in his brain. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. Like his yeah. quote is like, "It's a song about times past, about Mrs. Roosevelt and Joe DiMaggio and stuff." And what yeah. really comes through is the Joe DiMaggio in this song more yeah. than anything else. And even that, like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Another quote from the interview. Well, a paraphrase, but he says something like, "Yeah, I, I wrote it, and like I wasn't quite sure, but then I thought about it later, and I thought like, yeah, that totally means something." And like, it does not elaborate at all. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny, and because apparently he's a. So we're we're talking around the song, but like we'll do this for a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, Joe DiMaggio, I'm embarrassed to admit, I thought he was a politician. Okay. Because he also he also appears in the song "We Didn't Start the Fire." Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's probably some politician guy. He's got a nickname like Jolt and Joe Baseball Player. He's a baseball player. Yeah, he's a. He's um, a player. and apparently Paul Simon's more of a Mickey Mantle fan. And so, from that same interview, the fucking Dick Cavett's like, well, why didn't you write about Mickey Mantle? And he's like, it's about syllables, Dick. It's about how many beats <laughs> yeah. there are. Uh, that's a name we don't use much anymore. No, it certainly isn't. Dick. But, uh, yeah, so even the inclusion of Joe DiMaggio, who, like you mentioned in your Paul Simon quote, he's like, yeah, that kind of works in hindsight. It's like, yeah. was also just there to fit the, the meter. And that, I guess, is my proposal for looking at the song today, is that I do think, in hindsight, it works by weaving in, yeah, the Paul Simon thoughts of the time and also, like, ideas of the graduate and what happens in that film. It kind of just seems to work. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's maybe, I don't want to say, like, a fluke, because I think a lot of the time with, like, Paul Simon and, you know really wrote kind of as a poet, right? Like, he's a big poetry guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, looking at his contemporaries in, like, Bob Dylan and then some earlier, like, 
maybe even like beat poet types that they were influenced by a lot of it can be at least at the creation part like very like free form and like it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense but like it can be it can be associated with like a feeling if that if that makes sense so like it it makes some sense but it can be very abstract right yeah if not capturing like a concrete idea with like a thesis it at least captures like a feeling he had at that point in time yeah exactly and how, what better way to capture that than with d now this is important because that comes up in the film as well and that like that wasn't like again not an artistic choice that was a we don't fucking have lyrics yet choice it's a, I know, I know, I know, I know. Exactly, where he in fact didn't know. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or where do we go also? I had a, so the counter stampede just go. happened. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and so I had a, a stampede barbecue event at, at my work, and we had like a guy playing guitar there, and he did a cover of uh, of Sweet Child of Mine. Uh, solo acoustic guitar. So, solo acoustic. Right on. Right on. He's like, this one's from the latest Thor movie. You might recognize it. <laughs> uh, if you're a big Marvel head. This is for all you Marvel heads in the audience. Yeah. Um, the other thing he was talking about in that interview was how, like, the intro section, he would kind of, like, because they were playing along with, like, the movie. I don't know if it, mm-hmm. I, pro- I, you know, I don't know if it's filming or, like, they were watching footage or whatever. They were watching footage. Footage makes so more was, sense. Yeah. Um, because, like, it's too much. Well, some of it's him driving a car. Right? They couldn't be in a separate car. True. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, because it's like he said it was a chase scene. Which is there a chase scene in the movie? Kind of. So okay. you know, so there's like the a wedding at the scene. end. He's like driving to get to the wedding and find. Right. It's more. It, it's like a chase scene, but more of like almost detective style because he like goes to these different places to get clues to where the wedding is. Okay. Um, so he's, he's driving around and like, that was what the introduction was kind of written for was just like mm-hmm. driving around town and like, dee, 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 dee. but also the guitar part, which we'll get into. Later. Yeah. And like, they're very, uh, like, I, I don't know if who was in charge of music, if it was way back enough that Mike Nichols just kind of handled everything on that front, but he like reuses like almost every track in the film, at least twice. Um, oh, Sound nice. of Silence is played at the start, at the end, and another time kind of mid-roll of the film. Uh, like, the, this one comes up. There's another Simon and Garfunkel track that, that plays a few times. I've never is seen like anybody Ava use music like that. Will, no, it's uh, Scarborough Fair. Yeah, Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, and um, I mean, the soundtrack, because I've only heard the soundtrack, uh, kind of mm-hmm. similar in that, like, the songs pop up multiple times. Right, they repeat. So yeah, it's quite interesting. He like was very clearly obsessed with Simon and Garfunkel, which is funny. You read Wikipedia, it's like he had listened to them for two weeks straight. You're like, oh, okay. Like, wow. I hope he ate something. <laughs> yeah, I hope he was doing other things. But yeah. So there you go. Your is explained. Um, and here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. One thing I remember about listening to the song at a young age was it is very like evocative of something. Like I was always fascinated by like trying to work out what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah, because it's know. never really directly refer- yeah. referenced. But you I mean, have wh- to know the movie to know why Mrs. Robinson 
is being called to Jesus here. Yeah, what what do you mean being called to Jesus? Like what Well, he's he's this is him being like, "Listen, you may be an adulterous slut, but I Jesus see. loves you more than you will know and you can still pray and and find God." Right. So it's like it's about the redemption kind of. Kind of. I do wonder if there's like tongue in cheekness here similar to to the the hit satire film itself. Right. Or like it's so it is strange in that regards because I also don't take Paul Simon for a religious man though I could be wrong there. He he talks about religion a lot. In, he does in his songs. He'll talk about Christian things usually. Um, mm. So which I suspect. I mean, I thought he was Jewish though. Am I wrong? Um, that's a great question there, Alex. Uh, um, Paul Frederick Simon. But I'm not sure actually. Jersey. Religion. Uh, he, he likes religious music, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he definitely comes up in his music, like, as a theme. God. Comes up, in, yeah, it's for sure. So is this, this one feels so weirdly, like, evangelizing as opposed to his other stuff, which is, like, about seeing angels in the architecture. Yeah. Yeah, but this is very direct, right? Yeah. God bless you, please. <laughs> But yeah, it's so it, like it brings up the idea of adultery. It brings up the idea of God and that you can like even though you cheat, you know, heaven holds a place for those who pray. There's still goodness in this world. Is sort of the idea that will later be like portrayed with this old world idea of good in the character of Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, a symbol of kind of the past. Yes. Um, of simple times with simple okay. heroes. Yes, Paul Simon, born to Hungarian Jewish immigrants, and he had a bar mitzvah, but doesn't really practice. Doesn't really practice. Okay, yeah, he's got like loose spirituality vibes. Yeah, for sure. And, like religious tones. Interesting guy. And, we like, like to know a lot of, a even bit. his latest album is called Seven Psalms. So like, it's a biblical connection there. Damn, yeah. He seems interested in the ideas for sure. Certainly. Um, we'd like to know a little bit about you for our files. We'd like to help you learn to help yourself. Look around you, all you see are sympathetic eyes. Stroll around the grounds until you feel at home. Yeah, I mean, this is a part where I for sure, as a young person, like, immediately thought, like, this is some kind of institution. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe at the time it would have been like a sanitarium or something, I don't know. Right, she's hanging out with Norman Maine there. Yeah, Mr. hanging Cuddles. out with Norman Maine, and what? Wait, what was his attendant's name? Mr. Cuddles, I Mr. think. Cuddles. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the description of that, right? Like, it's it's very kind of disconnected, right? Because we're talking to presumably Mrs. Robinson. Um, yeah. So this is where your geniuses come in. They're like, it's about Eleanor Roosevelt, man, and her like one. She wants to help. They kind of like lose their perspective as they talk about it. They're like, first, it's her and her method of trying to, to help the lower classes here to help people of color. And then they're like, and then she's been institutionalized, brother. And she's Did that happen? around the grounds. No. So okay. I had to like, <laughs> go that. I was like, fucking Eleanor Roosevelt institution. It's like, here's some institutions named after Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> right. I'm like looking through her fucking life. On, so there's no like charity real basis for any, I think the discussion of Eleanor Roosevelt begins and ends with like the yeah. origin point of this song. It really I don't seems think like it plays into the final. Mostly version. a dead end, but yeah, the nostalgia thing more than anything. But yeah, we get this idea of like you said, like a sanitarium, like a psychiatric help facility of some kind, 
I'll look around you. All you see are sympathetic eyes. Stroll around the grounds until you feel at home. This is somebody who's been checked into a facility, right? Yeah, and they're being very like gentle, right? So like everyone is here to help you. Basically, like, hey, just you know, take your time. Uh, we want you to feel comfortable here. So like that's kind of what I get out of it as in terms of the the tone of whoever's yeah. talking to her. Um, but maybe I mean we talked about the film being a satire and like maybe that sort of poking fun at the idea of like the a uh, uh, person like Mrs. Mrs. Robinson like needing this sort of a uh, uh, facility, you know? Yeah, when she's like when I mean that's a thing. she's not being she... a great person, but like she's just ultimately like just cheating on her husband, which is like not a insane thing to do. Yeah, and quite like knowingly and like it's not like she was she ever had any misgivings about doing it. So what happens in the film is she tells uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character, she's like, don't fucking see my daughter because everybody else keeps pressuring him to go out with the daughter. Right. And she's like, you don't fucking do that. And then he does once and then they like connect and he's like, I want to see her again. And then she's like, you don't fucking do it. She's like, you go see her again. I will tell her everything and then he's like well fuck you i'll go tell her everything so he does gets kicked out of the house and then she tells a different story she claims to have been sexually assaulted by him so i'm wondering i'm wondering if this is supposed to be like post or mid the movie where we're it's got to be post the film because she doesn't get checked into to a facility at any point in the film but where in order to keep up her version of the story where she's a victim and not a willing participant in an adulterous relationship she goes to like a sanitarium. Yeah, I. This, yeah, I feel like this is this layers... supposed to be the graduate fanfic or something? Yeah, or it's like a few. Like... It's like a few um, steps removed, so we can yeah. really only speculate. But it does like that's the feeling you get. Mm-hmm. But but it's so open to interpretation. Yeah, and even because we're bringing in these ideas of nostalgia, it's like, are they trying to help? Because she's like lost love of in her husband. Are they trying to help her get back to that? But it can't be done. I don't fucking know, man. It's <laughs> yeah. Is that her like deficiency or her insanity or whatever? Is just trying to recapture youth or something like that? Youth. Yeah, I'm not sure. We then, but when we come to verse twos, we get another chorus in between there. But verse two is very much related to the plot of the film. It's hide it in a hiding place where no one ever goes. Put it in your pantry with your cupcakes. It's a little secret, just the Robinson's affair. Most of all, you've got to hide it from the kids. Right. I mean, they literally talk about an say affair, right? Um, Yeah. Are there other connections to the plot other than he's talking about being secretive? No, I think that's really it. Um, I was curious if the cupcakes maybe played into it, because I I wasn't sure. That plays into like old timey and sort of this is maybe the tongue in cheekness of it. It's like hide your affair in the same place you hide your other guilty pleasure, your sweet cupcakes. Oh, it's like, yeah, because I was totally thinking about that. And, and <laughs> one article I read used the phrase Betty Crocker cupcakes. And I was like, where did they get Betty Crocker from? So I was trying to figure out if there was something there about like. Like, do you store cupcakes in the pantry? Not really. Get, not really. You want to the, keep them the refrigerated mix. or something, right? Yeah. So, like, if you have cupcakes in the pantry, is it like a cake mix at that point? And, 
Or is that just what this other person got out of it? And now I've read too much into it because they said Betty Crocker cupcakes. So is there this like aspect of fakeness to it? And I don't think yeah, Betty Crocker maybe. boxed cup. You know, if you get like cake mix, I wouldn't necessarily consider that fake. But like maybe no. that's the approach of the song. I, I was trying to f- see if there's something there, but I'm not 100% sure. The idea of like, you know, keep keep it hidden along with like all the other things you're trying to cover up about yourself that are fake kind of thing. But I don't know. I don't know. That's, it feels like a bit of a reach to me. Yeah, it's, it's like a few steps, right? Yeah, it all, based it all on some feels random a bit common. reachy here because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> she, you, I get like on one side, it's just like, well, you hide things in the back of the, the cabinet, right? In the back of the pantry. You're just like, well, that's nobody goes back there. True. <laughs> yeah. Also, like the fact that you wouldn't necessarily keep cupcakes in a pantry. It's yeah. never stopped a, a song from saying weird shit like that before. But that's also it's about makes me syllables, dick. The, that the cupcakes are also it's about syllables, dick. It's that makes me what, what believe that makes me believe the cupcakes are also like a, an illicit good in this this storytelling. Right, guilty pleasure. Yeah, but again, that's also a bit of a reach. Like, but also you can't hide an affair inside of a pantry. Beyond Betty Crocker's cupcakes, here, let's just take a step back. You're not yeah. hiding a full man in there. True, although as like a comic thing, maybe. Sure. I mean, okay, this is a few steps removed. So there's another Paul Simon. Is it Paul Simon? I think it's Simon Garfunkel. Ophelia? Yeah. Uh, where like... Wait, no. Ophelia. That might be just Paul Simon. You're, uh, Cecilia. Cecilia. Yeah, not Ophelia. Ophelia is the band. You're right. You're right. I had the wrong Elia. Um, anyway. Cecilia. Yeah. Where like... He, like, goes to wash his face, and then he comes back, and, like, there's another man there. He's like, oh, right. fuck. I mean, I, I don't remember who it was. I heard a whole, like, stand-up bit someone did about, like, where'd the man come from? You know, all that stuff. Um, what I'm saying well, Cecilia's is... Cecilia's supposed to be Paul Simon likes to, likes to hide people in, in closets and places. In closets. <laughs> okay, he likes people to jump out of strange places. Yeah. So maybe, but then he's also... <laughs> so that's the connection. There. It took some work. Sure. So yeah, the rest of it's easy. It's a little secret, just the Robinsons affair. Most of all, you gotta hide it from the kids. The kid was specifically like her daughter. I know. I like how the kid is like twenty. Yeah, I think. I well, even know. Mrs. Robinson isn't that old. She's supposed to be like thirty-six. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yes. I do remember looking at like the cast, and it was like the mother and daughter were actually like three years apart or something, like in age, <laughs> in real life. Um, yeah, I would. But we do that, that all the time. Um, now to, to just further muddy things, how about a Beatles reference? Cuckoo, cachoo, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, throw it at me. That just seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Or does it I have something it... to do with, I mean, the walrus is the odd man out, right? Yeah. So is she feeling isolated? I was also going to say, like, it's a bit, like, maybe it's calling her impulses nonsensical. Much like the song, the I am Much the like walrus. The song, I am the walrus. Yes, yes. To be clear, that is a reference to the Beatles song, I am the walrus. Yes, we are, we know now it's goo goo gajub, but we apparently didn't know that back then. We didn't know that back then. So I mean, I didn't even know that in like 2003. So like, yeah, you were just one of those internet. You thought factoids. you knew everything. Slash things I learned from the Beatles rock band. From the Beatles rock band, goo goo gajub. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a Beatles reference for y'all. You're welcome. 
Uh, <laughs> verse three, sitting on a sofa yep. on a Sunday afternoon, going to the candidates debate, laugh about it, shout about it. When you've got to choose every way you look at it, you lose. Yeah, that this verse seems like so quaint compared to the other ones. Yeah. Like almost like you're sort of, I mean, in, in terms of the, like the hero's journey, you know, the end of the hero's journey is like you go back, but you can't go back. Like you go back to normal life or you attempt to, but you've right, been changed yeah, by the yeah, experience. Yeah. So like, it almost feels like we're back from maybe the sanitarium and like trying to live a normal life, but you can't right. live a normal life. Now, what does that mean in terms of the song? I'm not entirely sure, but that's the feeling this verse gives me. Well, yeah, it seems to be like my interpretation because people are like, oh, the candidates to play Eleanor Roosevelt. Shut up. Right. We don't need this. <laughs> Sitting on a sofa on a Sunday afternoon, going to the candidates debate. You can't do both of those things. This is we're, we're running into another Betty Crocker issue here. <laughs> like, Is that is that the thing is like they're deciding like, ooh, what I want to do today. And it, it does seem somewhat mundane compared to the other verses. Yeah. Oh, and that's to me, it's almost like relating back to the adultery. Uh, maybe the candidate's debate is her debating whether to tell the truth or not, right? Okay. That's, so the candidate's debate is in her brain. And laugh about it, shout about it. When you've got to choose, every way you look at it, you lose. If she comes clean, she's going to be looked down on. If she keeps the secret up, she might have to keep going to a fucking sanitarium. Like, she's, she's yeah, running out of no good right options answer. here. There's no right answer. Yeah, it does, to me, seem to be about, like, a decision, kind of. Yes, and the, the complexity of loss, which maybe is contrasted in the next verse, which is our call to nostalgia, our call to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, it's really, I guess it's a, a variation of the chorus, slash an outro, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so it's, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Woo, woo, woo. What's that you say, Mrs. Robinson? Jolton Joe has left and gone away. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, another like fascinating part. I did know that Joe DiMaggio was a baseball player. I didn't know okay, much more Alex. than that. Um, <laughs> Look at Alex, everybody. He's got a degree. <laughs> degree in knowing baseball players. Uh, knowing baseball. What, a couple weeks back, it was a tennis player. Now it's a baseball player. player. Well, did I say Roger Federer or something? Uh, yeah, I think it was something like that. I know like three tennis players. Someone referenced the tie. I, I, I work, I go to the gym with a guy who uh, yeah. plays tennis and he's like talking about some tournament, probably Wimbledon. And I was like, I yeah. don't know any of these names. Um, it's all tennis to me, brother. It's all tennis to me. Uh, they weren't even Greek. Well, I mentioned Tunisia. And, <laughs> oh, of course. And they're uh, like great apparently a Tunisian player who did very well. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, something like that. Um, uh, anyway, so to Alex, get back on track. To Joe get back DiMaggio. to this, Paul Simon met Joe DiMaggio one time. Right. Of course. And Joe DiMaggio said, what I don't understand is why you ask where I've gone. I just did a Mr. Coffee commercial. I'm a spokesman <laughs> for the Bowery Savings Bank, and I haven't gone anywhere. To which Simon replied that I didn't mean the lines literally, that I thought of him as an American hero, and that genuine heroes were in short supply. He accepted the explanation and thanked me. We shook hands and said goodnight. Yeah, that's an interesting... I mean, I, I don't know if I would have gotten it without that explanation. I have heard either that story or, you know, people talking about this line in the context of that story. Because it does seem to be... He's talking about this idea of, like, where have you gone? Not Joe DiMaggio, necessarily, but, like, the idea of, like, a role model, almost. 
yeah, this this American hero, like he says, this simple. It's just like ah, he's a beacon of goodness. To which then Mrs. Robinson's like, nah, Jolton Joel's fucking gone. He's not here anymore. Yeah, which like, plays into like every way you look at it, you lose idea from like, the last verse. God is dead, more or less. Yeah, God is dead. Uh, morality doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, right? Am I going too far? Yeah, it's like I feel like yeah, Mrs. Robinson is maybe a little nihilistic. Yeah, I guess it's just Mrs. Robinson. I I never really thought of that as Mrs. Robinson's response. But, but it makes sense. What, what's in that context. you say, Mrs. Robinson? Yeah, what's that you say, Mrs. Robinson? Oh, Jolton Joe has left and gone away. She's yeah. left for, or he's left for Mrs. Robinson. Because you're like, where, where have all the good heroes gone? She's yeah. like, they're fucking dead. And they're where not are coming the back. She's kind of similar to all these evil mothers who are going to tell you everything is just dirt. Just dirt. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, yeah, it's always tough to look at things in historical context, right? Cause yeah. I'm like, Joe DiMaggio, he was, at the time, I think he had retired. Yeah, but he was in a Mr. Coffee commercial. But he was in a Mr. Coffee commercial. You know, he was, he was still a around. He was for the Bowery Savings Bank. He was, like, around, I think he, he uh, I don't know the years exactly. He married Marilyn Monroe at one point for, like, nine months. Hell yeah, way to go. Um... So, like, he was in, like, the news, and he still worked in, in baseball, I think. He was, like, a coach or something. So, like, he was around. But he was still, like, from the past, kind of. A hero from the past. Yeah. But and, it is I weird, because, like... Sorry, no. There's this, this fucking verse, this chorus, this outro gets included in, and it becomes such a, like, piece of Joe DiMaggio history, or Joe DiMaggio, that... Uh, when he passes away, uh, Paul Simon performs Mrs. Robinson in, in his honor, like, at a funeral. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's more more well-known for saying Joe DiMaggio than We Didn't Start the Fire. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, it's better remembered, I think. Than, a lot than more names, though, in We Didn't Start the Fire. So That's it's true. You could sing that at a lot of funerals. You got Joe McCarthy's <laughs> Richard Nixon, Studebaker Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Who, of course, was married to Joe DiMaggio for nine months, as we all know. Yeah, and, like, now I was reading up on them, so I was like, what's the deal? Because the, the Joe DiMaggio Wikipedia page mentions, like, he was remembered for, like, his dedication to Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, oh, did they, were they married for long? It's like, no. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> very dedicated. they were, time. like, in the process of kind of getting back together, maybe. And uh. then she died, and mm. he was very distraught, and like brought flowers to her grave for decades until he died. Basically, he died. Um, so that's the story I learned this week about that's Joe DiMaggio. The story. Oh, well, I hope that helps everyone. So Does that help everyone like... understand the song? It's it's mostly about the movie, really. Yeah, pretty much is what it comes down to. Like, and, and like also some stuff Paul Simon was thinking about about like nostalgia and heroes and like yeah, this models. is like last week for us, two weeks ago for listeners. You talked about Lady Gaga with her quote about how it's these kids and their damn phones. We did talk about that, and the, how you're like, kind of sounds like she's attaching an idea she was she kind of half baked yeah. to a thing that was already completed, and that's maybe a little bit of this as well. <laughs> I think that's a lot of music. That's a lot of the like weird 90 degree turns in songs you're like oh, okay I, I guess yeah it sounds yeah, cool I, I don't know I though. can see how you could be thinking about this at the same time I guess like yeah yeah 
yeah, not not shitting on the technique. It works. It works. No, but, yeah, it uh, makes a, it makes for a pretty good song. Sure does. In my opinion, especially considering, I mean, we talked about how he rejected Punky's Dilemma and Overs, which maybe didn't fit the um, the movie that well. But I really like both those songs. Yeah, those are great songs. Um, I did give uh, Bookends another listen this week. I'm, I'm a pretty big <laughs> so fan of I. Bookends. Um, it's also easy to album. listen to. It's like thirty some minutes long. Yeah. Front and to one back. track is just like old people talking which is that's a very interesting track yeah it is i mean it's just old people talking about like mundane stuff but like yeah those those people are all dead now that's right you can only know that they would honestly give a hundred dollars hundred dollars something i can't remember what for I can't. It's like for something do, specifically, though. For something, yeah. He's like, I would honestly give one hundred dollars for, and then it like kind of starts to it's fade like, out. It's like anyone who I don't know. He like wants a person who'll do something or something. I don't remember. Right, probably probably hand job or something. Yeah. Um, speaking of hand jobs, plucking strings on a guitar. The original version of this is really just like guitar and some d d d d d d d s. Yeah, it has one other big difference, which is the rhythm. Right. It has the like. Bah, bah. Yeah. Often called yeah, a yeah. Bo Diddley beat. Hey, you love a Bo Diddley beat. So, Alex, what really happens between that version and the completed version? Let's ask Art Garfunkel. He says, We tightened the yeah. harmonies and became something very appealing. I remember walking into the studio with Hal Blaine playing congas, Larry Nitchell playing bass, and Paul playing terrific chugga chugga rhythm guitar all around one microphone. I tiptoed into the control room to check that we were recording and started getting very excited, thinking, This has got it. It swings like a mother. <laughs> that's uh spelled m-u-t-h-a a mother what I'm, I'm like i wish i knew art garfunkel's speaking voice better so i could imagine him saying mother i feel like he's quite a high-pitched guy isn't he like oh he's it got, sounds like a mother I mean, he sings really high yeah um he also did percussion on this because I, I was like larry natural on bass what is art garfunkel even doing here then <laughs> yeah not i mean i guess harmonies are yeah but it is mostly Paul Simon singing here. Yes. Um, um, so your key bits, that fucking little guitar riff. Yeah, that's like a big, a big little, mel- a big little melody. <laughs> Very cool melody yeah. uh, on the acoustic guitar. Um, but it's also like chugging, like you said, right? So it's kind of like two mm-hmm. guitar things going on. Plus, there's a guitar playing like little licks. Uh, yeah. Which, what it, again, this is from the Dick Cavett interview. Paul Simon said he was just riffing, essentially playing a fill. Um, but it's, well, yeah, it's that ascending yeah. pattern. Do, 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 Yeah, you've got that. And like the D-D-D-Ds that come in, like this intro is built to be a fill, really. Yeah. So like, yeah, playing some little guitar licks off top of it. You got a pretty steady bass rhythm, some shakers, a little Yes, you get that little bit of shaker. This part's just so, like, it's one of those, like, super iconic things for me. Like, I've just oh, known yeah. it forever. So you know you're going to have a good time for the next, like, the few minutes here. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, mostly. And that's kind of, there's kind of two major sections. This intro, which also comes back in the verses, and then it goes into the chorus. It actually starts with the chorus. Yes. After the intro. Oh yeah, if you count because like the the first verse is the d d d d d d d d's, but it's the same. Oh, does that count? Yeah, I'll count. I mean, that. yes and no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess the intro, and then there's a chorus content, that's basically yeah. an outro. So 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a pretty simple uh, composition because it is based mostly on just like acoustic rhythm, a little bouncy bass, and then some noodling. Yeah, pretty much. That and then like that other guitar part that comes in during the uh, yeah. other sections. Uh, but you get some like clapping, is. and we talked about the shaker already. There's also there's a symbol on the chorus. Yes, very tight symbol, <laughs> which I don't always notice. Um, uh, the bass bass is pretty simple. Mostly plays on the downbeat. It does kind of little turnarounds at the end of like measures. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like it plays the boom, ba doom, ba doom, ba doom. Like it has this descending pattern. It plays. When yeah. the vocals are pausing a bit. So, like, more than you will know. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. So, it has that little descending pattern. Um, what else? I, yeah, there's not. Like, it stays relatively even. I think there's more backups once it gets to the later choruses. Yeah, you hit about 136 and you start getting these. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's, that's the harmonies they yeah. worked on. That's the harmonies they tightened up. They tightened up. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much just, yeah, in the chorus, plays that bit, and then they get back into the intro type section as they transition into the verse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so simple. Uh, I, I assume the licks change throughout. It's kind of... Oh, yeah, it's they, very, they like, freeform. Yeah. Um... That's kind of it, you know? They kind of, they're like a little more whispery on the the Robinson's Affair verse. True, which kind of makes sense, right? Based on yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. the whole verse about keeping secrets, so they sort of quiet down a little bit. Um, so it's like kind of a breakdown, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and then just iconic as that intro is that outro, where it is just like literally that one guitar just kind of noodling around. <laughs> Uh, really interesting song. Um, very simple song. Big fan of it. Very acoustic. It's very acoustic. What was interesting, looking up some of the like factoids about it. So it wasn't eligible for the like best song in a movie Oscar. Yeah, I saw two different stories for this, but yeah, tell me. Well, supposedly it wasn't eligible, maybe, but it seemed like this version wasn't, at least, because yeah. it wasn't actually, like, in the movie, technically. Okay. Because um, the version okay, of the movie was Okay, I, but I bet the the one in the movie was, there's a Paul Simon quote where he's like, yeah, we just didn't fill out the paperwork. Like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> and maybe that was band, it, too, no, right? Like, we don't fucking care, but, that, but I read both of those stories, so it makes sense if you consider... The two versions, and yeah, probably those restrictions where like, well, this version on the radio is not actually the version in the film, so yeah. that one can't be, uh, you know, that one's disqualified. And then for the other one, it's like, well, Paul Simon never submitted the one page like <laughs> application form because he didn't care. Yeah, and like, fair enough, honestly, <laughs> don't blame him. Um, <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing, or, or there would have been a decent chance of me doing the same thing. Um, yeah, in um, that situation. Even even the Grammy Awards, they, they, some people call this the first rock song to win. That's what uh, I was going to bring up. It, yeah, rock, like I guess, but I don't know. Rock and roll is an attitude, man. I guess Paul so. Simon had nothing but attitude. I guess. 
It's funny because I do think of them as such like soft dudes, but like they are folk rock. And like this even Paul Simon's movie. attitudes towards this film, he's like, oh, I don't want to be a fucking sellout. And like, yeah. <laughs> like he had very rock and roll ideas. Yeah. And he did make $25,000, which I looked up. And then translated it into Canadian dollars. And Canadian dollars today is about just over $300,000. Fuck me. Yeah. Oh, to be making Paul Simon money, let me tell you. Yeah. And for three songs, two of which I think he had already written is that correct no he if, if not already written is like he he seems like the kind of guy who has a lot of little scraps yeah, lying about to use yeah 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 so that's the legacy of this incredible original song let's talk about the many many covers which vary from mundane to bizarre for a variety of reasons uh beginning with ray conniff in 1968 hey, mrs robinson yeah, this is a pretty, I would say, standard type of, of cover you get at the time in this sort of transitional phase, like going into what we now consider to be like rock and roll and pop music, coming from mm-hmm. the more like jazz, big band or big band, sort of like pop country, but of like the 50s slash 60s type stuff. Yeah, like and it's the family band vibe. Yeah. yeah. Which I think we've talked about them before, or definitely similar things, but I don't remember what for. Yeah, I uh, I thought, for some reason, I thought Ray Conniff was in the Elvis movie. He's not. I thought okay. he was the guy that Elvis was touring with, but I was incorrect in that assumption. Okay, Ray Conniff. Did I live don't and think he's even, like, he's like a trombone player. And yeah. but primarily like a band leader and an arranger and arranger, yeah, that's what people know him as. So yeah, we talked about him on Live and Let Die in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Just just before the pandemic struck. Wow, no wonder we don't remember it. <laughs> I um, remember anything from those days? Yeah, but this is yeah your real coral country fucking kind of stiff, like uh, yeah, it really production. like tightens everything up. I would say yeah, a lot of staccato. Um. Rhythmically, mm-hmm. um, hey, Mrs. Robinson, Jesus, Jesus loves you more than you would. Now, there's know. 25 singers on this, right? That's too like, many. It's dog. like 12 men and 13 women, or something like that. They're trying to fit those all into a mono track. Get yeah. out of here. Well, it's 1968, so they probably had some some multi tracking. Oh, yeah, Ray, Ray Conniff had the money. He, yeah. he could have got two I mean, tracks. Everyone, if everyone pitched it, there's 25, there's like at <laughs> least 26 people. Guys, involved. if we all put our money together here, we can get stereo. We can get a second like, track. Mm, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, it starts with Hey, Mrs. Robinson. Hey, Mrs. Which Robinson. Which definitely right. makes it feel snappier. Instead of yeah, the, like, no, no bullshit D2Ds off the top. Nope, no D2Ds. Um, what else? What's going on in this arrangement? So, significant backbeat accenting, notably on the guitar. Yeah. Um, they do have horns. They mostly play between lines in the chorus. Six-note part that you have just emulated. And then there's a piano part that does something very similar, but on the verses. It kind of plays little riffs. Yes. In the second verse, it gets this, like, bass kind of drone part almost mm-hmm. and then both the piano and horns come together on the outro yeah and that's sort of a mechanical uh description. yeah it's a mechanical breakdown um like you said before it is like stiffer 
both in terms of this like more staccato rhythm, like the tightness of the drums, the like everything has like a, a sort of stiffer vibe, and also that like good clean American music stiffness vibe. <laughs> like it's a little like old fashioned, a little family band, a little choral. It's uh, a little more. Yeah, Jesus-y. but maybe like kind of out of necessity because you're talking about coordinating, you know, thirty-ish people, right, to do the same thing at the same time. Uh, For sure, I think it also plays into maybe a more because, like, with Paul Simon and Simon Garfunkel saying this, I'm like, I don't really know where they stand on religion and Jesus. There could be some tongue-in-cheekness here. These guys, I'm like, they're fully want Mrs. Robinson to come to the light. <laughs> Right. Well, the part of that I think is they sound like you know a choir, which we associate with uh, church so much, right? Right. With worship, Fair I guess. Um, but it just kind of has a very different feel throughout because it does feel like you're supposed to dance to it, especially yeah. with the tick, 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 you know the beat is much more like for that. So this feels mm-hmm. like some like dance hall stuff. I say dance hall, but not like dance hall, dance hall. Like you're in yeah. a dance hall because the genre dance hall is very different. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, but that sort of thing. That sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. Even the piano gets a little bit of like a dancing group. But it is like, yeah, yeah it's an old timey hoot nanny kind of vibe. Um, what else? Oh yeah, the one thing I didn't really mention or kind of alluded to. A lot of the the parts are like separated. Like the the instruments will only happen when people are kind of done singing. You know, they're quite separate. Right. Yeah. Um. We mentioned it feels very snappy. Part of that is they only do two verses and three choruses, and then they're like done. Right. They don't do the Joe DiMaggio chorus. Yeah, you will exactly. find people skip out on that because they just don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, maybe they're, they're like, just Joe like, DiMaggio's still here. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't leave. Uh, maybe he hates baseball. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Too busy playing the trumpet. But weirder than omissions in, in a version, yes. I guess it's also an omission. It's just a full edit that comes yeah. up in the 1969 version by Frank Sinatra. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jilly loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, bless you, please, Mrs. Frank Sinatra. Yes. Now, did you know that some people say Andrew Dice Clay was even better? And Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that actually. Yeah. Um. Okay, so this is it's pretty classic Frank Sinatra. I'm actually surprised he was still making music in '69. I just assumed he died as soon as the years turned. This was over kind to of part of his like comeback, I think, in the '60s. Shit. Because he was around okay. for quite a while. Yeah, long history with this guy. Um, you know who else has a long history? Is American restaurateur and entertainer. Ermenegildo Jilly Rizzo. Yeah, so that's what he's talking about? I guess. That's Jilly? I think it's... That's that's Jilly. So here's what we got to understand. This is yeah. maybe what has happened here. Is apparently some radio stations refuse to play this song because it brings up the name of Jesus. You can't take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. That seems like such... I'm like going back. I'm like, okay, I get it. Because that sounds like something that would happen. Yeah. But also... I mean, there's other versions that didn't have a problem. Like, I, would, is Ray Conniff like fuck the radio? Like, I don't give a shit if yeah, I, you think, they, and, like, and even the original got radio play, tons of it, yeah. one record of the year. So, like, was that a huge problem, especially for like Frank Sinatra, who's already a big name? Yeah, like, what did he have to lose? I feel like maybe he thought he's like, oh my my listenership, if this is his comeback. He's like, my listenership are old fuddy duddies. 
so they won't appreciate their beloved Frank Sinatra saying Jesus. Yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange story. Um, it is strange. And then he further alters lyrics to the point where, one, I don't think he's seen The Graduate. Two, uh, he's, he's like antagonistic towards Mrs. Robinson. It's interesting, yeah. He kind of seems... Well, he's presenting Mrs. Robinson all, a little differently, almost. Like, more predatorially. Yeah, so the first change in lines we yeah. see is after the, the first real verse, and he says, The PTA, Mrs. Robinson, won't okay the way you do your thing. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And you'll get yours, Mrs. Robinson, fooling with that young stuff like you do. Boo, hoo, hoo. Woo, woo, woo. PTA. Parent-teacher association. Parent-teacher association? So, like, yeah. she's a teacher in this? Or a parent. <laughs> or a parent, true. But, like, this is a school. So, like, this isn't yeah, just a younger a person. This is setting. an underage person. Yeah, because in The Graduate, as the name implies, yeah. he, he is graduating. Like you yeah. said, he's 22. He just graduated college or university. Yeah. So that seems to be the story here that, that he's going with. They're like, we can't say Jesus. That said, somewhat impressively, impressively for a song in 1969, comes down against pedophilia. <laughs> so I say, that's pretty good, all things considered. Like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he, he's, you know, a little shy on the Jesus stuff, but pretty clear on what the PTA will and will not approve. Yeah, he's like, Mrs. Robinson, this is not okay. Um, how's your bird, Mrs. Robinson? Yeah, he is also that... says... <laughs> Why does he say... <laughs> uh, how's your bird, Mrs. Robinson? Dandy, Mrs. Robinson, you say? Hey, hey, hey. Well, well have, have you, you heard, heard Mrs. Mrs. Robinson? Robinson? Mine yeah. is fine as wine, and I should know. Ho, ho, ho. I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, um, yeah, this yeah. genius says, these are more Sinatraisms that Frank ad-libbed in place of the original lyrics, reminiscent of one of his signature songs, Ring-a-ding-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding, baby. So he, like, kind of comes at this half-cocked, it seems like. He's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll switch some things around here. And then he's like, mm, I don't know about it. How about just some old Frank Sinatra hits? How's your bird? How's <laughs> your bird? Um... Yeah, so interesting uh, lyrical changes. Um, seems to change the story a little bit. Someone was like, yeah, it's about a, an, an older woman having an affair with a younger man. And he's like, ah, yes, children. Like, or something. Like, you're, you, you, like <laughs> you said, you maybe didn't see the movie and just like had a synopsis and was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do a verse based on that. He's um, like, okay, yeah. But it, I mean, it counts. Like, it, it's very amusing the way he says it. It seems, I mean, like, it seems yeah. not quite right, but I don't know. Like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, ding, ding, ding. It's like classic, like, big crooner style. Like, yeah. he's got the big band behind him. So, very interesting. It doesn't matter what he's singing, right? He's like, well, I'm just singing with confidence. That is, how's your bird, Mrs. Yeah. Robinson? Yeah, he's still doing the Frank Sinatra voice, you know? He's got his, like, low, good low notes. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I would like it's very like jazz, big band style, lots yeah. of brass and woodwinds, like saxophone, clarinet stuff. Yeah, um, you can picture the like big stage he's on doing this, right? Yes, it's fucking lit up. And, yeah. yeah, um, old time crooner stuff. Uh, you know, jazz beat. I would say fairly heavy as far as jazz beats go. Uh, yeah, in my mind anyway. 
um, walking baseline. Yeah, so to yeah, me, I, I agree. Line. You said it was pretty standard. And yeah, it's like this is very much like a jazz arrangement, but I don't know if I really hold much of that in my head. And maybe just because I don't have a lot of big band exposure, but to me, I'm like, yeah, that's that's that old jazz sound. That's that, that, so, like, to, to maybe paint it for some nerds out there, if you play like Fallout like 3, 4, New Vegas, it's very much in yeah, the vein of a I'm lot of those tracks with. on there. Some of them by Sinatra himself, of course. Yeah. Sinatra or Dean Martin or Bing Crosby. Yeah, or I think particularly you get a lot of those on New Vegas. If I'm, you get a lot of country yeah, on there, and then you definitely. get a lot of these kind of big band numbers. How lucky can one guy be? Oh, that's it. Oh, I killed him. She kills me. But uh, he also yes. drops mm-hmm. the Joe DiMaggio reference. Just wanted to note that because I think it just that's confused cool. a lot of people. Too, yeah, too busy talking about birds and how they are. <laughs> how they are, yeah. But yeah, it's your classic like bump, like the the big climbs on horns, big stings. They're almost somehow more like cartoon sound effects than they are like music at some point, right? Just because they feel so tied to like the f- part of the first half of the twentieth century. Yeah, and like almost. tied to like the Frank Sinatra himself. Like I can imagine him doing like hand gestures and shit to every like sting and and roll on the, the the horns there and drums, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, is it solid? Yeah, it's solid. Like, yeah, it's solid. <laughs> is it fucking weird? Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, Less weird, more traditional, uh, Trini Lopez and Nancy Ames in 1969. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Yeah, I looked these folks up. They're both kind of like folk country singers. Also, Trini is short for Trinidad, so that's cool. That's right. That is cool. Trinidad Lopez Third. Trinidad Lopez is a very fucking cool name. It is a very cool name. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Nancy Ames sang the show theme and special material for the TV series That Was the Week That Was. And so she was known as the TW3 girl? That was the week that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TW3. That's fun. That's a fun name. That um, is a fun name. Um, this is pretty, like, classic. You get your guitar in the left channel with a bit of gallop to it. Yeah, a little more in the, like, country vein. Even yeah, than, like, for Ray sure. Conniff. Well, Ray Conniff yeah, because you like, get, like, the, the solo singers. Yeah. Who are both country singers. They both, I mean, I was trying to look up like what they had done song-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's a lot of covers. It's a lot of like folk stuff, you know. Yeah, these are the real like working class ones, like B-list musicians, maybe of the day. Yeah, without having that. I mean, even like Frank Sinatra was mostly covers as well, but he kind mm-hmm. of is more well known. So that's just how it goes sometimes. Right, that was a different era for that too. Yeah. Just because they needed a white guy singing things. Yeah, exactly. Got out that people of color were making better music. The whole thing would be over. Sorry, uh, I had to write something down. Um, Yeah, write down uh, what I said to use against me in court later. Yeah, I need to write write it down evidence. Uh, I need to record uh, incidences. Um, This one? Yes, Alex? Yeah, what's going on in this one? Hand Uh, drums. Hand drums. It's a duet. Um... 
there's it's similar but like because it's in the country style you like the the guitar riffing sounds different because like you have an electric guitar now yeah that's so right. like they do the little riffs but it's like like twangier it's twang yeah. right um so in terms of how they sing mm-hmm. um it's kind of it's almost backwards right because they they will do a chorus and they'll each sing half the chorus and then they'll harmonize on the verse right um, which i would kind of i mean the the easy first thought structure is everyone gets a verse or part of a verse and then yeah, you, harmonize and then you on the share chorus. the choruses yeah so it's kind of backwards it doesn't make that much of a difference but it is different it is an oddity um, another oddity here is that they do the Joe DiMaggio verse. It's the first time we're seeing it on a cover so far. Mm-hmm. But furthermore, they also do a boo-hoo-hoo. Boo-hoo-hoo. Oh, like, uh... A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Boo-hoo-hoo. They do boo-hoo-hoo. What does it... I guess they lo- their eyes are lonely, so they're crying? Yeah, but any it's weird because ah. like anytime you throw in a boo hoo hoo, that is very sarcastic, right? It does sound sarcastic, right? Like, oh, is the nation lonely? Oh, boo hoo hoo. <laughs> oh, you missed Joe DiMaggio. It's like, okay, Piece not shit, sure why huh? we're taking this tone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting. Interesting. I uh, maybe at the time it sounded less sarcastic because we, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was more like folksy and wholesome. Yeah, but I, I, it's so hard to tell because sometimes I'm like, yeah, we invented sarcasm in the 90s, but like, no, we didn't. <laughs> Obviously, we, we didn't. didn't. Yeah. Um, so it is so hard to know. Yeah. Uh, it's revealed at the end that it's live? Yes, this seems to be from just looking at the album The Trini Lopez Show Original TV Special. Oh, so, uh, studio so it's live. Yeah, one of those old TV special deals. Uh, Beatles did at least one of them. The yeah. the Carpenters did several back in the yeah. day. Yeah, used to be just a big thing. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's just that was like the media. Nowadays, we'll do like a live stream or something, or like right, yeah, whatever. I mean, but back then, it was like, how do we connect with fans? Oh, we'll yeah. do a do a TV event. Also, individual TV events were a bigger deal because there were fewer channels. And you could get to a lot of people. Everybody was on them, man. Yeah. These kids and their damn TVs. <laughs> damn TVs. But yeah, this one is pretty like, like TV special sums it up. You could have seen yeah. this on any, any night in 1969 on your television. On your television. But yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's no, all right. I like the hand drumming. I like the drum kit on this. It's always nice to hear. It's always Hands nice to touching hear. Touching drums. One you know thing I will say about yep. the drums. Tell me. The uh, chorus, I think, has like a symbol. Yes. It's like borderline distracting. Yeah, Not it's the a chorus, bit, it's uh, the verse. The verse, yeah, it's a bit loud. Okay, all right, let's hold off a bit on that. But maybe the balance was off a bit because it's live. Could be. So whatever. Yeah, hard to hard to fault him for that. Um, but we can't fault them for not being as cool as this next version, Billy oh Paul in 1970. And here to you, 
bless you, please, Mrs. Robinson. Heaven holds a place for those who pray. Billy Paul. Yeah, I looked this guy up. Do we talk about him? I feel like I've searched him up before. Billy, really? I don't think I. I don't have. know what for though. Maybe I was just looking up Philly Soul or something. He's associated with Philly Soul. Yeah, he's associated with Philly Soul. Um, but another fun fact: his birth name is Paul Williams. Um, but he changed it so you wouldn't get confused with Paul Williams, who briefly came up when we were talking about um, A Star Is Born, because he worked on the music for the 1970s version. Right, Paul Williams. So there's a connection there. Okay, there you go. Billy Paul Williams. Yep. This is the coolest guy. So this one's, like, this one's, he's, yeah, like you said, Philadelphia Soul. He's got a bit of, like, funk groove to him. Yeah, he's well, he's known for the song mm -hmm. Me and Mrs. Jones. Right. Which is another Jones song we, uh, we missed, yeah. Didn't know about back when we were going to have to resurrect our Jones theme. Yeah. We'll do a soda week. (laughs) We'll do a soda review episode. (laughs) There you and go. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's with the people. We, I get a lot of emails. They're like, what do you guys think about soda, though? They're like, do you like Jones Soda? Is it too blue? Like, yeah, it's just blue <laughs> enough, baby. It's just blue enough. Um, Yes, dog. So we get a cool bass line on this. Boom. You get the, the keys running in there. A little bit of just a little touch of guitar responding oh, yeah. to those keys. Some cool drums. Um, this one sets I, it up and just kind of lets it ride. It does. It really like has that beat underneath and then just like goes. But it still has this, the intro, like the verse chorus split, of course. Um, of chorus. Of chorus. And uh, I like the, his doo doo doos at the beginning. They sound very casual. Yeah, he's got a cool voice, Billy yeah. Ball. Um, and the piano, there's a piano in there. It kind of plays along with the melody, mostly. Sometimes mm-hmm. the bass instead. Sort of goes between those. Um, but it's cool. Electric guitar licks. Um, in this one, similar to... Yeah, it's very... Everything's previous. quite soft in this one, though. So you get licks, but they're quite like tight and quite under control, you know? Yeah. They are tight and under control. It's interesting. Yeah, it does... End up now feeling kind of soft, like it feels like almost you. distant. Just like the, the sorry, I was thinking, I was processing those words. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it almost feels like distant. The way it's recorded, maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe because it is like it doesn't necessarily sound like they're playing at the softest. Like that piano's hammering away, right? Yeah, but it is like it is distant. But the piano definitely does. Like it's not a super bright piano or anything, so mm-hmm. it definitely has a little more like rounded sound to it. And there is like that's kind of, kind of a, a resonance or an echo around like his voice and things that gives you like a sense of space. It does, yes. A sense of space, I think, is a good way is a good way to put it. So interesting version. It's cool. It it cooks, uh, and uh, I do like it. Has it has an extended do 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 solo? That's I've like written that here as well. Scatting, yeah. more or less. Yeah. More or less, um, yeah, which usually I'm against, but this guy's just too cool. Yeah, he's just, I don't know, he's just going. He really seems like he's into it. Yeah. So that's cool. Cool guy. Um, okay, one other thing. Put it in your what with your cupcakes? Yeah, his vocals like cut out. Yeah, it sounds almost censored. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he didn't say pantry. 
Like he uh, said pussy? He said pussy. He said pussy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what else is it? <laughs> like, Billy, that's not what, what the line Billy, is. He's Billy, like, what? Billy. You don't put cupcakes in the pantry. <laughs> He's like, why would you put cupcakes in the pantry? They're going to go bad. I'm like, you're right, Billy. They're just going like, to get dry. Yeah, you are right, Billy. Um, <laughs> Billy. Yes. Okay. What else happens? Um, right at the end, it's, everything starts to like fall away, and sort of it's just vocals, and like it's just tambourine and like a little bit of bass. Yeah, there's um, almost a sound like somebody dropping a can down a fucking stairwell or something. <laughs> like it's because like, the tambourine. Dang, dang, dang. That might or be it. Bass. Let me try and spot it. Not the tambourine. Hang on. It's like before the tambourine outro. Yeah, like around 345, it's just like the echo on the drums. It sounds like something like falling in a stairwell. It does. It's like, I mean, what, what year is this? Let's see. So it's 1970, so it's early for like yeah. gated reverb, but it almost has some, like, it has this like real like reverby sound to it. Not necessarily mm-hmm. gated, but like super echo, like he's playing the drums at the other end of a hallway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it does have so that, that sound And then to you're it. right, we get into this uh this like tambourine shakeout outro. <laughs> and then it does like a big jazz fit like it like I said jazzy. Yeah, it, I think jazzy. It's like a bunch of like big like piano runs. And then they do like it's just actually yeah. that. I wrote that on the wrong version, I think. He just ends with well, a yeah. piano run. <laughs> he yeah, he ends because he goes do 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 and he goes ah! <laughs> and then yeah. it does the <laughs> the, the piano. piano. Kind of just banging on the piano, which I mean, sometimes you just gotta like bang on the piano. Like I went, I saw Gogol Bordello this week. Oh yeah, um, and there was a bit where the accordion player just like held down like half the buttons on the accordion and was like. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta play random notes. Fuck yeah, that rocks. Yeah. Um, speaking of like things that sound like a live performance slash like a a sound test, Sylvia Vreithammer, Vreithammer. In, in 1975. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please. Yeah, I said I said Rethemar, but she is Swedish, so I don't Yeah, so she's a Swedish trad pop and jazz singer, and the daughter of the education official Harold Vrethammer. Oh, she's Harold's daughter? Yeah. Wow, it's crazy. Um, they grow right up, man. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, she like kind of got uh, some traction off a cover of "Son of a Preacher," which was done in uh, her native language and not Swedish. in English. Swedish. Swedish is a language. Okay, good. <laughs> I was gonna say Swedish. Right? I lost no, Dutch, all confidence what? in myself. Okay, I don't know Dutch. what language it would have been. She also did a. Oh no, she did an adaptation into English. Okay, I don't know. She speaks. She she speaks languages. I can tell you. Yeah. That. So this version is like predominantly bass, a little bit of drum hi-hat, and her vocals. At least at first. Yeah. Um, what do you mean at least at first? Am I thinking of the wrong version? Hang on. I th- oh, it's, I'm just thinking... No, you're right, yeah. This one, on. so I don't know if you've ever gone to like kind of like a... Yeah, like it's a, all jazzy. Like an amateur yeah. show. And then, like, the band's playing a song, but not, like, officially, you know? It's, like, it's either between sets, or they're just, like, getting the sound worked out. Right, so, like, the bass player's, like, grooving, and then the singer's just like, I'm gonna sing Mrs. Robinson on top of that. Yeah, it's like, I'll sing Mrs. Robinson. That's exactly what this sounds like to me. 
And to the point where, like, they even do certain sections where it's just the bass or just the drums or just the vocals. And it's like, oh, they're like, they're like that's the fucking sound guy being like, just vocals. And then the other two drop. Like, it's almost uncanny how much this sounds like a sound check. It's like, a, yeah, like, they're just goofing around. Although, I, I mean, I'll give it to them. The bass line's pretty slick. Oh, yeah. Like, to their credit, they're quite skilled. But, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, the baseline um, kind of talks like William Shatner. It's, the baseline it's very stark is like stop. William Shatner's spoken word albums. <laughs> yeah, it's like bump, but da da bump, bump, da 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 bump, da 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 Because it's true. Um, yeah, and that's like everything up to the final chorus, I think. Yeah. Where, oh, there like is a, a piano. Pian- yeah, like a piano comes in. They do like it's like jazzy now. I mean, it was kind of before. Yeah, this is like your the bass like, goes like, like walking, and they just like chorus yeah, line yeah. kind of outro. Yeah, or it's like yeah, exactly. Bump, you kind of get that swinging beat. Yeah, da, 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 da. you can imagine kicking legs. Yeah, and then they go back to that baseline. Yeah, um, they really unite together on the sitting on the sofa verse. They're like so? the everything like kind of comes together, so they're all playing like the vocal melody. Basically, I'm tr- I should have time stamped this shit. <gasps> I see. Okay, so yeah, it's kind of like a like a uh, timestamp is two nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they kind of dun, 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 the bass is like dun, 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 yeah. at least playing chords too. Yeah, like it's playing just the melody, and she's singing "Sitting on the Sofa." Yeah, I think that was a highlight verse for me because it's got a good like intro in. The drums do some wild. They do a lot of start stop in there too on the instruments. So stop something line. They start up again. They stop and they start again. Yeah. So I I like this one. It's fun. It's it is cool, and it's like in like it's fairly jazzy, but it's like fairly simple. But like they keep it. Keep it limited to like like they they set lay down a pretty solid groove and then just like sing the song over that and we're like our Garfunkel was talking about how this you know was a mother or whatever and like how it really <laughs> right, had a good yes. rhythm and like you know just put a good rhythm under and and you got a solid uh, version yeah baby you got a song so yeah they do that they got a fun rhythm that's nice to listen to but also it sounds like a sound check that's <laughs> not a quality statement just saying that's what it sounds like yeah. Um, but you know what we like things are they're things that sound like alt rock, like the Lemonheads in 1992. 1992, yeah, band that's been around since the 80s. Apparently they're still around, but it's mostly just one guy now. Is that Evan Dando? Evan Dando. Um, um, who apparently yeah. hated this. So we, like, Paul Simon's fear when making this song was selling out by writing uh, movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And then, here we go, in 1992, decades later, the same fear from Evan Dando, frontman, who told the American songwriter that he hated this song, and Paul Simon as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a very 1992 thing to say, I think. Like, yeah, everything else sucks, um, and I hate it because it is vaguely related to any commercialism whatsoever. 
Well, yeah, this was made for the like 25th anniversary of The Graduate. Yes. Um, and like we'll see in the music video, it's fairly like it has like associations with the film. Um, and it's also this is the, the version film. apparently that was in Wayne's World 2. I don't okay. I kind of remember it, but like I haven't seen Wayne's World 2 in years, but I used to watch it regularly. So right. I've definitely heard this version before. Okay, I've seen it once. It also appeared in the hit film that I haven't seen, The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh yeah, that is also a film I haven't seen. Yeah, so yeah, like his his journey on this, Evan Dando says he talks about why this song was made this version specifically is like some people probably wearing Italian shoes said, Hmm, we need to get the graduate out to more of a flannel wearing kind of audience. Very um, 1992 as well. Very 1992. Um, he says for the longest time, I couldn't believe we did it. And a lot of fans were disappointed that we put that out. They thought we were better than that, that we were kind of selling out. And then in 2013, he says, if it's in a Scorsese movie, it's finally making good for me. I'm okay with it. Okay. So it's, that's how he grew to accept this cover that he he didn't like. Martin Scorsese uh, put it in his movie about guys who are kind of not very nice. That's right. Um, this version's kind of not very nice because it's all rock, baby. It's a little punk rock. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, it's I think a very straightforward cover in that style. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Um, like it's very much like oh we we we'll do it on guitars and they'll be distorted. Yeah, chuck a little it. distortion on there, a little bit of a heavier bass. Yeah. Um, your your vocals of the time. Um, yeah, it so sounds I keep, like I keep trying to like, and it's more like chugging. I mean, we talked about how he chugs in the original yeah. on the acoustic guitar, but now we're on electric guitars and it's playing like chugga 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 chugga. Yeah, yeah, a little chugga chugga. And then yeah, bigger chords in the when he's. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't have much else to add on to it. Like, it's very. I like the drums. It's very direct. Yeah. I I like the heaviness of it. I like the energy of it. I think if they had made the film The Graduate in 1992, this would have been a perfect fit. Yeah. It was a 1992 movie. There was a movie I look. I was part of. There's like a movie that, um, basically is based around the idea that. The graduate happened, and like this, right. the main character's mother is the uh, well, and grandmother are Mrs. Robinson, and I can't remember the daughter's name now. I- Elaine. Okay. Elaine. Um, yeah, I think that's. So it. then she's now the third generation, and like basically meets Dustin Hoffman's character, <laughs> and is like, "Is this my father?" But it's not. Anyway, uh, apparently there's a movie like that that exists. Weird. Yeah. And it, um, I forget now I noted something here. So there's guitar feedback on the sofa verse. And then slowly afterwards, we get like a gross throat clearing kind of sound. Like not really a growl, but like a, a kind of gross noise. I'm trying to find it, though. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, yeah, around 250. 250? Like a gargling almost. Sounds like a bong rip. Kinda. To me. <laughs> Let me give it another listen there. <laughs> yeah, from like a sickly bong, though. Like a bong that doesn't have the <laughs> yeah. airflow right. Yeah, the bong has a, has a bit of a cough. Yeah. 
<laughs> the bong has the black lung. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's your big takeaways here. We've talked about so many punk rock versions, and this is like the like precise time period when those were at their peak, like 1992. He's like real simple pop punk, lay it down. Yeah, it was. And it's a real simple music video, too. Brunch. There is a music video. That's them on a river, on a boat, jamming. Yeah. He's That's... wearing a name tag. Oh, there's a name tag? Yeah, he's got a name tag on his jacket. You can only see it in some shots. Does it say Evan? Evan? I don't know, because it's actually too lo-fi for me to... Yeah, the resolution's super low. Um, it really has that, like... Well, I mean, it's, you know, standard definition, like VHS, or, or like, I guess tape quality sort of thing yeah, it's, or, yeah, somebody yeah like, taped or maybe it someone taped this off of mtv it, it looks that way because it does have the the mtv title card for it at the start oh, it does too yeah um mtv classic classic um and there's it also intersperses it with footage from the film which is also fairly degraded like it's yeah you know, it's definition VHS quality yeah. sort of deal. Little SD. Um, so somewhat questionable. There are, I don't know if it's on purpose or they're just both degraded in similar ways, but it is occasionally difficult to tell what is the video and what is clip. Right. There are some parts that I thought were ambiguous and I don't remember what they are now. Okay. But like, there'll be like a, a shot of seemingly a random person well okay so the guy in the in the scuba gear probably from the video no that's from the movie oh it's from the movie there you go I, yeah i was i wasn't sure all right so that's from the movie um but i was unclear yeah so basically it's like really truly the only shots that aren't from the movie are us looking at evan dando as he sings us this classic song and like sometimes the rest of the band yeah, very infrequently, but yeah, sometimes the rest of the band. And yeah, you straight up get just get the ending of the movie where he fights them off with a cross at church and right. they run off together. Which I think they also do in Wayne's World too. I yeah, like I've seen Wayne's World two once, and yeah. I like, kind of remember some of these bits you're talking about. Like it has that. I mean, no, I'm not going to get into a whole thing about Mike Myers. Let's not discuss that now. We just. We could. It's Blockbuster Summer, but instead we're going to talk about Lost 70s in 2009. This is like two white ladies? Is that- yeah, they're a flamenco band, presumably from Spain. I couldn't tell exactly. I thought, I was looking through their Facebook page, which is a little outdated. Hasn't been updated yeah. since 2019. But someone said like, hey, you rock and also come to Mexico. Um, okay. Yeah, I had so to get it. I had translated with Google Translate though, because I don't speak Spanish. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, but I believe they are Spanish. Yeah, and I'm guess I'm just guessing off the name, but that their idea is to like make Latin or like flamenco style versions of roughly seventies era music. Yeah, more or less the seventies, close enough. This uh, one less the seventies, less the seventies, definitely less. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like they do that, they do that. Although yeah, they don't super seem to be active anymore. Their website's dead. 
yeah, their website's down. I imagine if you guys are looking for new content from last seventies, you're maybe out of luck. Yeah, but they have a, a bit of bit of stuff. But yeah, you get your Spanish guitars on this. You get your lively clapping rhythm. You got the like, couple it's so ladies. Fast. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sixteenth note clapping or something like that. Yeah, did you ever see that guy? I think he was on like an America's Got Talent or something like that, and he's like, I can clap my hands really fast. <laughs> and it's just like like the noise that happens from him clapping his hands that fast is like it doesn't even make sense. Like it's not a clapping. It doesn't even sound like clapping correct. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I mean it's yeah, fl- kind of a flamenco thing, I guess. This one is more novel. Like I compare this one to the Lemonheads in that it's a fairly standard, straightforward adaptation to my mind. Yes. But flamenco's way more novel to me than alt rock. Oh yeah, I would say that's probably fair, yeah. Um so that's kind of my my approach is like, yeah, cool. This one's cool to listen to, but also doesn't necessarily have that much. Like, it's a different flavor. Yeah, it really is just like a, if you go to like a, a chain restaurant and they're like, and now we have a Mexican burger. And you're like, okay, McDonald's, I'll try the Mexican burger. And it's like, it's so I want to try it. Nick. I like jalapenos or whatever. Like, yeah, um, it's like, yeah, it's got jalapenos. It's got Frank's sauce on it. Yeah. You're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> All right. Good enough. Um, but uh, other than that, I'd say just like flamenco guitar playing is more impressive, sort of. From oh, then like power chord chugging, yeah, yeah. So that there's some appeal there as well. But I, beyond yeah, that, I do consider them si- similar ideas. Similar ideas, and I will say that yeah, the flamenco guitar style is more similar to the kind of noodling that goes on in the original, right? Oh, that's true too get some more like picking and just picking and strumming you know yeah because really like what makes mrs robinson the original song kind of like cool and hooky is the is probably a big part of it is that noodly guitar that's why you get the extended outro too like that's why that's the guitar we hear at the end is because that's one of the the beefier parts of the song so yeah, this version, like on first glance, is like, and maybe it's just coincidental that it, it happens to hit that style. But yeah, I guess that noodling is a bit of a, a bit of a plus, a bit of a note in its favor. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, it does seem just kind of like a, a simple genre shift. Yeah, or or it sounds that. that way to me. I, I'll admit I don't have much of an ear for, for flamenco. Well, and let's let's face it these these gals' whole thing is let's make covers of every fucking song we've we've met bands like this before true, it's usually true. pretty formulaic just um, out of necessity because yeah. like it's, it's a lot of covers yeah you gotta fucking knock these things out you got a deadline to meet yeah um we've got to knock out our formula where we talk about our final verdicts in which there's a worst version a best version and the version that an older person would use to seduce you to seduce me okay that's right baby uh alex what's the worst version of this uh, um i kind of didn't like the Lemonheads version that's fair I'm gonna give it to the Lemonheads. i mean i didn't think it was bad necessarily but it was just so straightforward and like we talked about like they didn't really want to do it maybe so maybe that's part of it but yeah, I feel like they didn't really, little... you know, come to play, as it were. They were just as it were. Of... Yeah, they did it for a pay. They did like theoretically sell out. Yeah, it's it 
kind of yeah it's selling out they didn't even it like, sounds like they try. did and they're like kind of upset that they did it but hey you got your payday yeah was it worth it Lemonheads? was it worth it i mean they're still together well they're still to- i guess well evan Dando's one, still one guy is still touring under the name the Lemonheads. and hey ain't that what it's all about whatever band he's got so um yeah solid choice alex i'm gonna say it's like i don't know if he deserves worst but that's it's fucking like Lyrically, it's just too strange. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. It is odd. It is odd. <laughs> and just such a like off kilter intro when he's like, "Jilly loves you more than you would know." You're like, "Who?" That is the. I mean, as much as the verse is a little odd, um, the Jilly thing is just so weird. Like, who the fuck is Jilly? And also, you can't say Jesus. Like, yeah, you, I, can't you know, say we Jesus. were talking about how the other versions didn't have a problem. Maybe his. He just had an older fan base you know he's older he's from a different era yeah that's i i did suggest that did you say that all right well i I probably uh uh, that makes sense then i agree with you retrospectively i I said it in a dumb way you said it a lot more succinctly (laughs) well i had all this time to think about it well there you go um as i always say alex chili loves you more than you would know (laughs) um alex what's the best version of this best version oh man there were a couple good ones i think um yeah i'm gonna Give it to Sylvia Vrethemar. I just really liked that smooth bass and then kind of the jazzy bits at the end. And I thought it was mm. a good groove. Good groove. It's I think an even really better groove. groove. And yeah. I am basing it solely on groove. I think it's like the winning factor for covers today. Uh, Billy Paul, I yeah. thought was just, just tight was from start to finish. 100% front runner. Billy yeah. Paul, very good version. Because, like, yeah, ultimately, with, like, we talked about the lyrics, and even after talking about them, it's like, I guess they're just, they're, like, kind of a movie tie-in. Yeah. Like, like the bat-shaped pizza at Little Caesars for the Batman. I was like, okay. It's- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's associated with the movie, I guess. It's associated I mean, with the movie, I guess. And there's, like, there's something there. Um, But, like, like Paul Simon said... Yeah, it means something, and then no, no elaboration, no elaboration. <laughs> it means something, probably. Yeah, uh, it means something. And then we shook hands and said goodbye. Said goodbye. <laughs> yep. Okay. So yeah, Billy Paul, great groove. I like his voice. Hell yeah, Mrs. Robinson, Alex. Yeah. You you're being seduced by an older person, I geriatric. Am. You've gone to an old folks' home, <laughs> volunteering. Right. Surrounded by sympathetic eyes. That's right. And sympathetic ass. And sympathetic ass. That's right. And they're, they they chuck on an old vinyl for you. They're like, hey, give this a listen, young man. Give this a listen, young man. And what, what do they put on? It's 100% Ray Conniff singers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fully know why, but it's Ray Conniff singers. I think in the image of a retirement home we painted, like that makes the most sense. Yeah. They're playing it I don't know, it's it's just I guess more more accessible version. I mean considering yeah. it was considered like it was the, the it was the first rock and roll song to win or rock song, whatever, to win a record of the year. So mm-hmm. like given the timelines, I don't know. It was like a little a little bit cutting edge, you know? Right. So it was something that everybody had to have their hands on and still in that era of covers. Where Which it was is like, so weird. Be- it's not like the Beatles didn't mm-hmm. already exist. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it is a bit strange, isn't it? But there's, it's kind of like leftovers, right? Frank Sinatra's coming back. You can still cover a song to try and scoop some sales from a more popular song, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like I said, that older generation is still around. They don't understand this, like, liking just an artist, unless it's Frank Sinatra, baby. But, uh, yeah, okay, Alex Rayconiff. I think, similarly, but differently, they're going to try and seduce me with the Lemonheads. They're going to get one looking at me like this guy. Likes rock and roll just like my grandson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I see. He, he dropped off this album. Play that. They won't understand the music, this older person, but they, they'll think I will and will respond positively to that. Little do they know. I think it's a fucking sellout. That's my choice <laughs> for, for most seduciest. <laughs> that does most it seduciest. for our final verdicts. If you've got a similar opinion, different opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guys, send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Uh, be sure to rate and view us. We're on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, favorite podcasting apps. You can also contact us via email at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Tell your friends, families, neighbors, loved ones about us, what you can do. It's now that Barbie and Oppenheimer are out in theaters. You can watch neither of them. Go to the theater, kind of sit in the hallway, like between where the the movies are playing, and just play our podcast. <laughs> and max out that volume. Max out that volume and see who you can get to kind of sit in. You know, start a revolution. And that does it, folks, for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, it's a little secret. Just the Cover Me podcast. Most of all, you've got to hide it from the kids. <laughs>